As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks with quality products designed for racers by racers. I depend on Portatree for my own practice. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality newer used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. What's going on, Luke? Well, Jed, I feel like we should preface this show just a little bit by um, bringing listeners in on our little secret here. <laughs> you don't think we can fool them? <laughs> I just, we could try, but when we do, something just that we absolutely have to talk about will happen this weekend and, and people will realize that hey this show is not up to date we are actually recording uh, episode 33 of the sportsman drag racing podcast almost a full week in advance reason being that uh, next week is just very hectic for the both of us jed you've got yeah. a world foot break challenge coming up uh, next weekend as you listen to us to this yes, will be this coming up weekend my schedule as we record this, my plan, weather permitting, is to be in Huntsville this coming weekend for two ten granders on Saturday and Sunday, I-57 drag strip on Monday for a $5,000 win race, and then Joliet, Illinois for the NHRA national event come 
Thursday morning. So, sure. um, yeah, hectic schedule on my end. All whoever does my schedule is not the smartest person in the world because that is all the week <laughs> prior to the Jag Summer Door Car Shootout. Like I didn't have enough on my plate, but um, yes, that's, that's how I roll. So, but yeah, just a, a little bit of a warning while we'll talk about topics that are relevant in the time. Again, we're going to not be able to discuss the holiday July 4th weekend events on this podcast. If anything really newsworthy and noteworthy uh, comes up, we will be sure to discuss it in episode 34. For this week's show, we'll continue some NHRA talk from Norwalk. We will preview the upcoming JEGS All-Stars. When you listen to this, it will be the week of the JEGS All-Stars at Chicago at Route 66. We'll look over the rosters, make some predictions. We've also got a special treat today, a huge interview with NHRA top fuel racer, Clay Milliken. I don't know what you're going to be thinking. This is the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Hey, <laughs> if you don't like Clay Milliken, don't listen. Um, <laughs> and don't not just this podcast like don't listen to any of them how could you not like clay milliken absolutely um, and be like as you will i'm sure realize in the interview like clay is at his roots is one of us he's a sportsman racer i, I met clay when he raced modified eliminator at ihra he had a mopar bless his heart i won't hold that against him <laughs> clay is just a, a a genuine dude and uh, I, I know I speak for both of us to say that we were definitely rooting him on and so happy to see him get his win at Bristol. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a lot of things. But uh, yes. looking forward to that as we go. But uh, but first, he's on fire. It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Who's hot? Sabre Performance. Who's hot? In addition to building quality race engines, Seabrook Performance is your source for carburetor setup. Whether it's a new custom calibrated carburetor or a rebuild and calibration of your current carb, Luke Siebert at Siebert Performance has the answer. You can call Luke at 785-286-6813. Absolutely presented by Siebert Performance. Last week, we had a toss-up. We had the double-double at Norwalk NHRA National Event. Last week's Who's Hot was Nick Folk. This week, we're going to go the other side of it and go with Jeff Strickland, a friend of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, former guest here on the show. Jeff has doubled before. The Gator Nationals in 2016 was his first double, same two classes, Stock Eliminator and Top Dragster. At Norwalk, Jeff became just the ninth driver in NHRA history to do the double-double himself, to double on two different occasions. And like I say, did so just over a year apart. So big kudos to Jeff and uh, and definitely a deserving recipient of this week's Siebert performance, Who's Hot? Yeah, another awesome performance by Strick. He obviously pulled the ultimate double ending the 2016 season with two national championships and stock eliminator and top dragster, but continuing his hot streak, which is difficult to do, Luke, as you know, seemingly that target on your back or whatever happens uh, makes it a little more difficult to do, but he, he continues to take his diversity to the highest stage in, in stock and top dragster, getting it done again there at the at the most recent event. It was really impressive by one of my Alabama Slammers. Looking forward to seeing him get out there and compete for us, but uh, really proud of Strick. Great guy, very deserving, good family, so it was really cool to see that happen for him. Yeah, that's a quote from somebody like there is nothing harder in sport than defending a national championship. I want to say yeah. that that's a John Wooden quote. So, uh, don't misquote me there, but that, and I agree with that. Uh, having been in that position, like the the bullseye yeah. is definitely on your back, and then you've got the burden of 
expectations, which is mostly self-induced, but it's something that you fight. And um, with his double in Norwalk, Strick certainly is in the conversation at the very least to repeat in either or both classes as a national champion this year. He's he's on the short list without question. Yeah, no doubt. All right. As you guys are listening to this, this coming week, Jags All-Stars, one of my favorite events of the year, just because you've got some, well, you've got all of the best racers over the course of the last calendar year, basically, in an HRA competition from every corner of the country. Every division is represented. They converge on one racetrack. It's eight people in each class running off for one of the most prestigious awards in the sport at the Jags All-Stars. Like I say, I, I get yeah. fired up just thinking about it. I have an opportunity. I've been a part of the Jags All-Stars a couple of times. I was fortunate enough to win it once. Still ranks as one of the biggest wins in my racing career. Anybody that's won the Jags All-Stars say the same thing. Um, yeah. We're going to go through this year's rosters. It seems like all we do is pick winners. I don't want to pick winners. Like the, everybody that uh, there's eight people in each class, like they're all very deserving. We'll, we'll go through and highlight some of the accomplishments of, of each of them. But what I do want to get into is the discussion. While I don't want to pick necessarily every single class winner, Jed, I do want to kind of, well, I want to just want to take this opportunity to tick off six of the seven divisions. Like I want to pick the, the, the team that we think is going to win it all. And that's all we're going to accomplish. We're going to make a lot of people mad. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do best here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. We've got that down. Yes, we do. Interesting notes coming into it before we get to the uh, the the roster for this year's events. Uh, thirty-two times, thirty-two years, the Jags All Stars has been contested. It wasn't always the Jags All Stars. It was the Federal Mogul for a few years. It was the TRW All Stars at one point. But it's been going on for thirty-two years since nineteen eighty-five. I believe was the first. In that mm. time span. Division one, division two, and division three have each won the team championship seven times. They're tied. Okay. No division has won it more than seven. All three of those, one, two, and three, have seven Jags All Stars championships to their to their name. Division four wow. has six. Division five and six have each won it twice. Division seven has won it once. So interesting tidbit there. I, I thought it was amazing that this deep into it, you've basically got a three way tie at the top. And the all-star of the all-stars, um, the winningest all-stars ever, not named Frank Manzo. We're going to exclude the, uh, the alcohol <laughs> yeah. categories here. But uh, the winningest driver in the in this pure sportsman classes in Jags All-Stars history is Rudy Matthews, Division Three Super Street racer who has won Super Street at the All-Stars five different times, including a stretch where I believe he won four in a row. Now, and, and I know everybody understands, Luke, but you're – you're taking the highest points earners from the divisions and putting them in this, and a guy wins it five times. Not to make himself eligible five times is impressive. Right? Yeah, that's a. I don't know how many times he's been eligible, mm -hmm. but he goes and wins five out of every how many times he was eligible. So just just unheard of. Yeah, and the way that the All Stars works, like you say, it's actually basically from All Stars event to All Stars event. So it's the most points accumulated within your division between July and July. And the eight driver field in each class is made up of the seven highest points earners, one from each division, plus a blocker. And the blocker is the previous year's champion of the All-Stars. Mm -hmm. um, so like in Rudy Matthews' case, like I, I said, I believe it was four years in a row, he earned his spot the first year by accumulating more points than anyone in the division and then guaranteed a spot every subsequent year that he kept winning. So that's kind of how that racks up. But like, to, to your point, like just qualifying for this thing, 
three, four, five times is a career accomplishment, much less to hold yeah. a trophy that many times. So Rudy has done it five times. A slew of racers or a trio of racers, I guess you'd say. Jeff Taylor, Slate Cummings, and Edmund Richardson each have four All-Stars titles to their names. And like I say, that was my quick math. If I'm missing anybody else that had four, I apologize, but I think that's accurate. And Luke, you've, like you said, you've competed in this event a couple of times. You've won it. And I've heard you talk about it. You, you've talked to me about it. I know this was definitely a bucket list thing for you, something you accomplished. And to racers that race any NHRA competition, it is, it is simply that. It's bucket list. It's, it's every year goal. But the guys who focus on the division that they race for and just go hard at those events, this is their world series yeah and uh it's special for a number of reasons like number one i'm fortunate that for as long as i've been competing in nhra like this race has been held in chicago which is one of the closer national events to us so i got to watch the all-stars competition several years before i was ever a part of it and you just i think that gives you an even greater appreciation for it like as a spectator like it's a big deal and it's a big deal to the people that came there to watch John Force, you know what I mean? The, the people that don't sure. follow sports and drag racing, like everybody is typically in the stands for the All-Stars. It actually takes place during pro qualifying on Saturday at Joliet. Like it's, uh, and, and the coolest part about it for, for me, and I, and I know it would be for you too, is not so much that the, the stands are packed. Like that adds a cool factor without question. But the way that the pits are situated at, at Route 66 Raceway in Joliet, the bleachers on the on the pit side of the racetrack extend, uh, I'd say, close to the eighth mile mark, probably yeah. four or five hundred feet, and the rest is just an an open fence line that is part of the pit area. And that fence for the all stars is from one end to the other. Yeah. Of racers, everybody that's at the facility is watching the all stars. Like that to me, that's what's cool about the million. You know what I mean? Like everybody, yeah. everybody's there. To no compete, doubt. but they're all sticking around for the final. That's where the All Stars is. So it's a special deal, and and as you mentioned, it's meant to be a reward for the racers that attend all of the division events in their home division. So it's not necessarily yeah. the race for the the touring pros, although a lot of those end up getting in it. It's the guys that support every race in their home division and and have the most success. And the the most fun thing about it is how much pride and and how territorial it it tends to get kind of like the the all state championship like you just you're you're part of a team and you're a team with the people that you typically compete against all season long yeah kind of like the bracket finals i guess to some extent like it's just a neat atmosphere and there's prizes cash prizes for winning the team championship plus it's just the the ability to come home and say yeah i was on division three and we won the championship you know i mean that's a pretty special deal yeah, you got a, a a little bit greater cause when you're out there racing for your division. And I, I've had several good friends, you included, that has gone and competed in this event. And I know that Jeg's, the company and the family, the Coughlin family, go to great effort and expense to make sure that you not only are at something special, but you feel like you're part of something special. So I know that those uh, people on this list are, are going to be super excited to be there. No, that's a good point that, that you don't want to skip over. Like, Jegs makes this feel like a big deal. Like, you are the stars of the show. We, we yeah. all-stars park on the pavement with the pros, which is a rarity at national events. Um, yeah. and like I say, we run with the pro show, introduced to the fans on the stage. Like they stop everything, just like it would be for pre-race for the pros on Sundays. Like it's just a, 
it's quite a show. Jegs puts on a, a dinner for everybody the night before where they introduce all of the uh, the contestants. Like it, it, it is. It's a very special weekend, not even just the race itself. It's, it's a very special event. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, we'll get into this year's roster. We'll just start with Superstock on down, and we'll kind of take turns uh, reading off the class list to you. And, and again, this is a who's who. And the cool thing about the All-Stars is, like, it is fairly regional. So there'll be some names on here that from other parts of the country that you may not be familiar with. Rest assured, if they're on this list, they're bad dudes and, and ladies. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. Superstock. Is, Go ahead. I was just going to say, this is not just them, you know, getting here from single good performance. This is... This is a year-long performance-based category, so uh, they, they have definitely accomplished something. Without question. Superstock Field, Division One representative James Antoinette Jr., Division Two Kevin Reiner, my home division, Division Three Jeff Dona. I think it's Dona. If it's Dona, Jeff, I'm sorry. I should know that. Division Four Slate Cummings, who is the defending champion. Typically, he would be the blocker. But he earned the right to represent Division Four yet again. So the way that works yeah. is uh, Slate will be the Division Four rep. The number two finisher in Division Four becomes the blocker, and that is no slack either. And that's Aaron Stanfield will be the blocker. Division yeah. Five rep and Superstock will be Brett Spear. Division Six Rich McKinney, and Division Seven our good buddy Kyle Rizzoli. Riz. So over in the stock category, Division One is Justin Pacillo. Division two is Jeff Longany. Division three is Andrew Hill. Division four is our good buddy A-Dub, Austin Williams. Division five is Daryl Goheen. Division six is a guy that I just spent some time with uh, over the weekend, Brad Burton. He was down for Michael Brand's wedding. Division seven is Tibor Kadar. And the, the blocker is from division six, and that is Mick Alley. Yeah, I watched Mick win that race last year at... at- I don't think anybody was more excited when the All-Stars and McAlley. That was a special moment. They were parked not too far from me. I didn't really get to speak with him, waved at him a bunch over the weekend, but uh, we made eye contact on his way up the return road. He was very excited when the Jake's All-Stars. Yeah, that's cool. I think three world championships represented in stock between Austin Williams and a pair for uh, for Mr. Burton. Uh, Tough field, no doubt, top to bottom. Super comp. Uh, my personal favorite category, Division One rep, is actually a member of the Sprague Racing Elite, good buddy of mine, uh, Ed McCleft. Division Two, David Morris, a uh, guy that's been red hot this season. We'd probably be talking a lot more about David Morris if he wasn't in the same division as John LaBoost Jr., but he's had a heck of a year. Division Three rep, Phil Smida. Division Four, Christopher Dodd. Uh, Division Five, Nick Folk. Uh, I was wondering why Nick Folk was at the division event in Grand Bend, Kansas, on the same weekend that there was a division event in Joliet, Illinois. It was like one hour from home versus 15 hours from home. It's coming into picture for me now. Nick was uh, vying for that all-star spot, which he got. Wow. Division 6, Randy Beck. Division 7, Robert Neighbor. Call him Rob Neighbor. And the uh, blocker from Division 5 and Supercomp, the man that pulled... An unprecedented feat a year ago at the Jags All-Stars. Prior to 2016, no one had ever doubled at a Jags All-Stars event. You can just imagine the odds of doing that. Like like you yes. said, qualifying for two races in the same year is a feat in and of itself. Trevor Larson has qualified for both classes on several occasions. A year ago, he won both classes, Super Comp and Super Gas. So uh, he'll be in the field in both of those categories this year. In yep. Super Comp, he is the blocker. 
Yeah, he'll get another opportunity. We'll start out Division One with Mike Sawyer. This is Super Gas, by the way. Division Two is my man Fuzz, Steve Furr. Division Three, Jacob Elrod. And man, this list is impressive too. Yes. Division Four is Jackson Collier, young Jackson getting his shot at him. Division Five is uh, the aforementioned Trevor Larson. Division Six is Dave Kelly. Division Seven is Ken Mostowich. And the blocker is from Division 5, and that is Bill Crosby. Yeah, Crosby. And, and actually, this is a similar situation oh. that we talked about in Superstock. Trevor is the defending champion, would be the blocker. Uh, he actually earned the most points of anyone in Division 5, so he actually gets to represent Division 5. The blocker then goes to the second-place finisher in Division 5, which is Bill Causey, a man that's very uh, a familiar face to the winner's circle in his own right. Super Street, again, like every class of the All-Stars, I guess, one stacked deck. Division yes, 1 is. representative Sean Frick. Division 2, Matt Weston. Division 3, Barney Barnhart. Division 4, Brian Sandlin. Division 5, John Kastner. Division 6, Josh Dalrymple. Division 7 rep is going to be Greg Ventura, part of my Team K&N team. And the blocker, last year's champion, a name that we're familiar with, we've discussed a lot on the podcast, recent uh, national event winner, Jonathan Anderson. Yeah, it's going to be a nasty super street race right there. Top dragster. Division one is Vince Mussolino. That's got to be on the all-name team. I like yeah, that. Yeah, Mussolino is a great name. Some, again, another familiar name here for Division two. My man Fuzz, Steve Furr, uh, getting a shot in two different categories. Division three is our buddy John Strasswig. Division four is Aaron Stanfield. Talked about Aaron as well. Division five, oh, cool Phil, Phil Unruh. Yeah, this is a race that's been good to Phil, too. He was close to making the list of what I noted earlier. I believe Phil's won the All-Stars on three different occasions between Top Dragster and Superstock. Oh, Division 6 is Paul Nero. Division 7 is another K&N guy, Jesse Adams. And the blocker comes out of Division 3, Joe Hessling. Yeah, good buddy of mine, Joey at APD. It was neat to see him get the win uh, last year. Not sure what he'll be driving this year. I don't think he's got his own combination together, but... uh, not going to pass up that opportunity. He'll be wheeling something in the uh, in the Jags All-Stars. Final class that we'll touch on is the top sportsman category. This year's Division One rep is going to be Ron Regal. Division Two, Jackie Robinson. Division Three is Mark McDonald. And that's an all-dragstersforsale.com um, Division Three fast class team. JB, uh, Strasswig in top dragster. Mark McDonald in top sportsman. Division Four is going to be Ricky Vidros. Division 5 representative this season will be Paul Pittman. Don Sefton will represent Division 6. One of your favorite names, Big Jed, from a previous mm. episode, Doug Crumlich, will, uh, yeah, will I love represent, that name. represent Division 7. And the uh, blocker defending champion is Division 5's J.J. Haber. Yeah, so another, again, star-studded list of racers competing for the Jags All-Stars. And uh, that's coming up. That's right around the corner here in less than uh, less than two weeks now, Luke. Yeah, as people, uh, as our listeners listen to this, will be uh, week of the uh, event. Jed, this is the part where we're going to take off like over three quarters of the country. First <laughs> off, let's highlight, I, th- I think we did to some extent, there are three drivers in this year's competition that will be entered in two separate classes in the Jags All-Stars, which is a feat in of itself. Uh, obviously, Trevor Larson, uh, defending champ in Super Comp, Super Gas, 
Steve Furr, representing Division Two in both Supergas and Top Dragster. And Aaron Stanfield, who, uh, again, gets the nod as the blocker in Superstock and will represent Division Four for Top Dragster. Obviously, there are no holes in any of these fields, Jed. But as you look no. through this, do you have a feeling that Division One, two, or three will come out on top and kind of break that tiebreaker that we talked about earlier, establish themselves as the uh, the division of prominence? Or do you have a feeling about uh, one of the other divisions here looking at this? Well, just looking over the list, you know, Division Five has the most blockers available and then Division Three. So, you know, you kind of know how those things play out way better than I, but um, seemingly that would give them some decent odds at it uh, if you got more blockers. But I still feel like Division Three is really strong as I look over their list. So I feel like Division Three probably has the team that I would consider the the favorite anyway, as if you can even do that. But Division Three looks pretty stout to me. Okay, so so Jed weighs in with the land of the winners. <laughs> when I look at this, the I guess the smart money has to be on Division One, Two, or Three. Like odds are that's They've won more than anybody else. But the two most recent champions came from Division 5 a year ago. And I believe it was Division 7 uh, the year prior to that. So oh, Division 7's only championship to date. When I look through this, like the, the teams that really stand out to me are, are those two again, to be completely honest. Um, Division 5 is loaded. And I know that I guess this is going out on a limb because it's only happened once before. And I think that's probably more due to proximity. Like this race is always in the center of the country. It's a haul. It's a taxing trip yeah. for our, uh, our West Coast guys and gals to come out and represent. But the Division 7 team, like we didn't mention comp. I don't know if there's a favorite in comp, but Doug Lambeck is as fast as anybody and as good a driver as anybody. Superstock Division 7's Kyle Rizzoli. Stock is Tibor Kadar. Supercomp's Rob Neighbor. Ken Mostowich and Gas, Greg Ventura and Super Street, Jesse Adams, Doug Crumlich. Again, like everybody in this field's bad to the bone. I just, I like that team a lot. So I, I guess if you can go out on a little bit of a limb, I'll, I'll take the left coasters here. I, I'll predict a, a Division 7 victory. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that would be quite an accomplishment coming from all the way out there. As you mentioned, the hall has to be a factor in the whole deal, but. Um, that is a talented team, so interesting to see how it plays out. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it. They can take care of you. Visit online at RacingRVs.com. We also mentioned Portatree earlier in the show. I personally use their Eliminator Next Gen Practice Tree 
along with the Portatree Mini. The next gen is Portatree's newest, most realistic tree, and it's by far the most well-designed and thought-out practice product that I've seen or used. It's got a ton of features, but two that really stand out to me. First off, it allows me to save up to 15 unique user setups, so I can switch it from my Corvette on a Pro Tree to my Dragster on a Full Tree to my Vega on the bottom bulb to... Jess's settings for a dragster, all with the touch of a button, all those settings are saved. Plus, the stats log is like a virtual logbook that really lets me analyze my progress from one session to the next. In short, I love it. You'll love it too. Check it out at www.portatree.com. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ Alright guys, joining us now is a six-time IHRA Top Fuel World Champion Most recently winning his first ever NHRA race at Bristol Dragway Having reached the final nine times, getting that first NHRA career win and a guy that's been racing in some capacity since he was 16, heavily involved in motorsports for many, many years. Much, much appreciation for you coming on the show. Clay Milliken, thanks for joining us today. Oh, man, I'm so glad to be on here. I listen to you guys every week. I have learned so many things from this show. It's just amazing. I mean, I enjoyed Cody Harger, you know, talking about all the different ways it possibly could be a little cheating, you know, or keeping yeah. up with it. and. I learned about really kind of protecting, you know, our equipment from getting stolen. I mean, it's, it is an informative show. It really is. Well, we appreciate that, Clay. You know, Jed, Clay told us off the air that he listens every week, and I thought, ah, whatever. Like, he, <laughs> I think he listens. <laughs> it does sound like he listens, That's which is really, really awesome. It's, it's great to hear that people that's reached the level that you've reached in our sport still care about your sportsman roots, Clay. Oh, man, I do. I mean, I get very little time to go to bracket races anymore, but, you know, I still go to Memphis when I can. I mean, I, my little sister has turned into a really good bracket racer, and, and, of course, her husband's always been a terror at Memphis and around, you know, the Memphis area. Cliff Hubbard's my brother-in-law, and, man, yeah. I, I just love sportsman racing. I, I go up and watch when I can. I mean, I love it. I mean, I love racing, and I just don't get to do it anymore. You know, I just don't have the time, essentially, from – you know, not just the 24 race schedule, but, you know, we have sponsor things we have to do here and there. And then, sure. you know, for, for a lot of years, when I did have off weekends, they were spent at a motocross track, you know, because my son Dalton was a motocross racer. That was the racing that he got into when he was little. And so a lot of times my off weekends, you know, used to be spent at a variety of motocross tracks all over the place. But you said we're, I'm into the motorsports thing. There's no question about it. I'm, I love motorsports. <laughs> Top to bottom, I'm all about it. As That's I, awesome. I, I prefaced this early in the show, Clay, but I think most of our listeners realize that, that before your top fuel career took off, you came from sportsman roots. And what I don't think most, most of our listeners realize is, obviously, you're a listener of the show. Like in our 33 episodes of doing the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, I'm not sure that anyone that I was excited about having on the show actually reached out and said hey i'd like to be a part of the podcast and you did like that's how we got here and well who am i just, to say no I, I don't want clay Millican on the show you know I mean? well i would i would love to read your text but uh, i don't think that's 
suitable for the airways. <laughs> well, it, was, well, look, it was kind of surreal. I think you were two days removed from winning Bristol, so I know that your phone's ringing off the hook. Everything's going nuts, and you're thinking about reaching out to us. So it was, it was very, it was a cool moment for me. So how about that? Well, I truly love the show. I mean, y'all do a great job. It's entertaining. It's fun, and I am so into this all-state race. I cannot wait for that. Mm-hmm. I am home that weekend. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh, man. I will be there for that. And going to throw this lobby out there right now. I think Lee Hubbard should be the woman's representative for the state of Tennessee. I'm just throwing that out there. There you go. I, I, I think you know, I would second that, Clay. Nobody comes to mind <laughs> that I would put in front of her, that's for sure. <laughs> especially at that track. Right. You know, especially at that yeah, track. That, you know, that, that that's, will that's where she's at. You know, she's there all. Every time the gate's open, she's there racing. And, I mean, I tell you what, you know, y'all come up with that idea, and, and Britt has just took off and run with it. I mean, what is it up to now? Like 37 states, I think's what it is. Something like uh, that. 33 states, whatever yeah, 32. it is. 32. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, it, it's going to it's be amazing. a special day. Yeah, it's going to be a neat, neat weekend down there in Memphis for sure. It really is. And while we're talking about that weekend, and I know we've got listeners that'll be coming from all over to go to that race. If they're bringing their kid and they have a driver's permit, we are doing a brakes class at the NASCAR track while that event is going on. Oh, really? And we are. We're doing that will be the second time that we've done a brakes in the Memphis area. And if those of y'all that don't know, it's. Doug Herbert started that when he lost his two sons. He started a teenage proactive safe driving school. It's free. All you got to do is go sign up for it. And we're doing that on Saturday and Sunday during the the Great American Bracket Race and the All-State Race when all that's going on. It would be so easy for the people that are bringing their kids with them. All they got to have is a permit. They don't even have to have a car. Brakes brings the cars. They bring the instructors. They bring everything. Now, one parent will have to be there, and they actually get to kind of take part of the class. When I went there last year, I mean, I've helped Herbert with breaks for many, many years. But when I went and actually participated, I actually learned some stuff myself. It's a really cool deal. I didn't mean to, like, get off on that, but no, that's, that's a really all, important that, that, thing to me. You know, that, that's fitting. a big deal to me. You no, know, it's, and it's one of so many, like, cool off-the-racetrack things that you're involved with that I want to talk to you about on, on some level, at least. I mean, I, I think we'd be here for hours if we tried to go over everything <laughs> that you've got your hands in. But for our, our listeners that may not have followed your career as closely as, like, I have, give us the, the Cliff Notes version of, of how your your start, like, I met you when you are running ITRA Modified Eliminator, how yep. that kind of transitioned into running top fuel in IHRA and I mean, eventually into your position or your life and career today. Well, obviously you're, you're talking about my whole life story there. So I'll <laughs> yeah, make it yeah, the no version. Uh, <laughs> and Jed, you were right. We always put it out there that, you know, I started bracket racing when I was 16 years old because that's what you're supposed to say but I'm gonna tell the truth I was actually 15 years old <laughs> and I started going to Jackson Dragway in here in Tennessee little eighth yeah. mile track I went there with a 69 Dodge Charger knew nothing about bracket racing me and daddy went mama Tracy Lee the whole family pull in the gate and they're like well, well what class are you running well what's the fastest thing you got well it's super pro okay that's what we're doing Well, after we made a time trial, we had to go and change that because that car wasn't nearly as fast as we thought it was. (laughs) You know, time slips don't lie. And so, I mean, we started from there and and just to kind of speed the thing up. I mean, I raced as much as I could. I mean, 
married my high school sweetheart, still married. I've been married 30, I think 31 years. And Donna won't even be mad about that because she can't ever remember how long we've been married either. But <laughs> became friends with a guy named Raymond King. And Luke, I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. him or not, but Raymond was with TCI when Mr. Bill still owned TCI. And I called him when I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old and basically said, hey, what do I got to do to start traveling out of town? And you know, TCI wouldn't go write checks and sponsor any sportsman racer, especially a, a guy that just raced local bracket racing. But I started hauling their display to races and they helped me with fuel, which was a big, big deal. You know, they helped pay for, for gas for getting there. And he helped me get a, a, my first nice dragster. I, I got a Danny Nelson car and we started super comping and quick rod and IHRA. That kind of turned into modified because all the people that i around here that'll tell you about my bracket racing career. All I ever did was try to make the car go faster, which was a bad idea. You know, I I just like going fast and I always did okay on the tree, but my car never dialed worth of crap because it always was always getting worked on. But so I, you know, and back then, by the way, I'm going to get on this. There was no spot dropping going on. You you just tried to, you know, I, I think Luke, you know, you, you teach that I've actually kind of, snuck in on some of your classes when you've been out at Memphis before. I uh, I get the idea, but I don't, I'm not a spot dropper. But if you watch me drive the top fuel car, you will notice me wiggling down at the finish line. That's usually because I'm trying to look over and see where I'm at, which is also <laughs> a bad idea. But I've seen you flicker the stage ball a time or two, too. That yeah, I, I, that's a challenge in a top fuel car. That, that really is. It, the, the deal handbrake and the carbon brakes don't work so good for flickering, but there's a couple of guys really good at it. Langdon's good at it, you know, and uh, yeah. Doug Kalitta's pretty good at it, too. He's, he's pretty good at flickering it. But back to my life story, I got off <laughs> sidetrack there. We started doing the IHRA Modified. I really, really liked it because I got to go fast and, and, you know, I, I did okay at that. I won a few national events. and But early in that TCI hauling the display, picking up converters, bringing them back and, you know, carrying them to get them fixed and that sort of thing, TCI was purchased by Felpro, the gasket company, which we all know Felpro, all the racers do. Mm-hmm. I went to their company picnic and met a young man named Peter Lehman and – didn't think anything of it other than the fact that Raymond told me his dad is the president of Felpro. His family owns the company. Okay, you know. So I go racing, race at Cordova that weekend, forgot about it. So Raymond calls me late in the in the year and says, you remember that Peter Lehman kid you met? No, not really. You know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I don't know. But he said, well, he wants to go with you to Darlington, which was the last IHRA race of the season. And he's writing a, a non-fictional story for college. So he wants to go with you. So I call Peter and he says, yep, I want to go with you. And I said, well, you probably want to fly to Charlotte or somewhere and I'll pick you up. And he said, no, you don't get it. I want to ride with you. I want to experience everything you go through. I immediately was like, oh, man, I got a crappy old Dodge truck, a crappy (laughs) old trailer. You know, this guy's family owns Felpro and I've got to smile the whole way and keep the, uh, you know, the, the energy up and all that kind of stuff. So we. He flies to Memphis. My truck got broke into that week, so I had to borrow a truck and the buddy that owned the truck. So it was <laughs> me, Marvin Trotter, and Donna, my wife. We picked him up in, at the airport in Memphis after I got off work. I worked night shift, and we drove all the way to Darlington. And he's making little notes, you know. And he kept asking me, you know, why do you do this? And, you know, he just kept on and on and on. And I'm like, 
I want to drive a top fuel car. And he said, I don't even know what that is, you know? And I said, you'll see, you know, you, you'll see them this weekend. They'll be there. And he's like, man, you obviously spend everything you got to do this. He said, I, I just don't get it. I said, you know, I think you might get it when you get there. So we go to Darlington. He experiences the whole weekend and it's just right time, right place kind of thing. But I won my first national event that weekend with him there. Oh, wow. It was crazy that it worked out that way, but it did. And I'll get into this a little later, too. There are no such thing as a coincidence, but that happened that weekend. He and I became really, really good friends. And fast forward a few more years, he wrote a business plan, how to go racing as a business. Fast forward a little more. Well, first of all, he got me my license. I went and got my license and we did one race. I was the first top fuel car on the racetrack at Route 66 when the place was brand new. Really? Race we're going to next week. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was the first top fuel car to pull out because I got my license that week. They sent me out on a single and I promptly did a reverse burnout. I did a burnout (laughs) going forward and I tried to do one going backwards. And at that point, I was ready to just go. I'll skip this part of the story. The week I got my license, I quit my job at Kroger Food Warehouse, which I had had for 11 years. And as soon as I did that reverse burnout and got back to the trailer because we broke the reverser, thank goodness, I was ready to go back to Kroger and beg for my job back. You know, I'm like, I'm I'm over this. This is embarrassing. I don't, you know, I don't want to see anybody. I hope they don't show that on TV. And, but, you know, it all worked out. I did get called to the tower and I, I got my first in-depth conversation with Buster Couch. That was very interesting after I did the reverse burnout. <laughs> I'm but, sure Buster uh, put it to you gently. Yes, yes. He had a way with words. I will say that. That's for sure. I can promise you this. My foot never did anything with that throttle pedal except when I was in forward gear. <laughs> That's for sure. That is for sure. But Peter and I didn't immediately go racing. I mean, like I say, he started, he, he wrote this business plan and he kind of followed that. And a couple of years later, he, we bought, we, listen to me, like I got money. He bought <laughs> all of Tommy Johnson's top fuel equipment and we went racing. And, you know, it was uh, an unbelievable thing. You know, I mean, we got Mike Clover as crew chief. Our very first year, we you know we won won a top fuel race. I beat Shirley Muldowney in Grand Bend, Ontario, Canada, and we ended up finishing second in points. The following year was the first of six straight championships. It was crazy, you know. And we yeah. had Warner Enterprises for for those six championships. And when diesel fuel went crazy, got expensive, you know they they decided to quit racing. And you know things got tough for me here and there, but somehow or another, you know I've, I've 19 years I've now been doing this full time. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me wow. that it's been that long, but it has, you know, it's just crazy. That is. So there's, there's my life story. I, I tried to shorten it up as <laughs> much as I could there. Over the course of, I guess, basically about the last two decades, you said 19 years. I guess, like you said, you've gone from IHRA sportsman racer to IHRA top fuel competitor to six time IHRA world champion. Into NHRA through some tough times where you were probably not out of top fuel, but on the fringe, on the periphery. Oh, just hanging on with my fingernails, you know, in for sure. A variety of television shows, back into racing. Now here you are, like a, a serious force on the NHRA tour with what I, I have to assume is maybe notwithstanding that that original team with Clover and with, when you guys were just dominating IHRA, but overall probably the best team of your career. I can tell just listening to your story. Like, 
I'm a big believer in networking and forming real positive relationships with people. I know you are too. I would assume that over the course of this, you know, and obviously we're we're talking about 20 years in the, in half an hour here, but <laughs> right. I would assume that racing paved the way for a lot of these other endeavors, you know, television, what have you, every, all the things that you're involved in, have the connections and relationships formed through TV and that other stuff open doors for you in racing as well? Like, does it work both ways? You know, television certainly come about because of racing. Mm -hmm. No question about that. I did the majority of those shows. Luke, you know this as well as anybody. You always hope that that turns into connections that mm -hmm. turn into sponsor dollars. But I looked at doing the television shows as a way that people would recognize my face without being in a Werner fire suit or a parts plus uniform. And it has been good that way. You know, I, I can't honestly tell you that other than some recognition that maybe you have when you go into, you know, a meeting somewhere and they're like, hey, weren't you on, you know, Pink's All Out or something? I can't say that this ever really turned into sponsor dollars, but recognition wise, those shows were huge for me, you know, because it does make people recognize you in some other form. They may not even know I race top fuel car, but they, they remember me from doing, you know, drag race high where I worked with the high school kids on those shows and they are a lot of fun. They're a lot of work, but right. man, they're a lot of fun. I can only imagine. And I know your resume on the television side, and you mentioned pinks all out. You mentioned drag race high, blow it up. And you hosted mm -hmm. the IHRA Nitro Jam series for, at one time as well, didn't you? Yes, I did. I sure did. And I was actually racing during all of those shows. Mm -hmm. I may not have been, you know, hitting all 24 NHRA events, but I was still racing. You know, and I even did a show on MTV2. It was only on for one season, but really? yep, did a show on MTV2 that was very successful. And I, I know we're not going to talk for an hour, but. It was actually the we can. third high. We're not going to limit. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, I just think this is just a you know kind of a, a crazy story. But so this show was the third highest rated show they had in house show, and so we asked them, well, what beat us? You know, what was better than our show? And they said, well, second place was Bellator cage fighting. I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, that's that's a pretty popular deal. You know, all the UFC stuff. They had Bellator cage fighting. I'm like, well, what beat Bellator cage fighting? Lingerie football. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. Uh, you got to go to that. Yeah. That's a tough battle. <laughs> yep, yep. It, it, yeah, you know, so I'm like, okay, I, I finished third. You know, I guess I just got to take that. But, but that show only lasted one year, but all of them, you know, are a lot of fun. They really, really are. Like I say, it's a lot of time-consuming stuff, but anything, I always looked at those not – for any other reason than just recognition so that maybe somewhere somebody, you know, might recognize me when we're looking for the sponsors. And, and that's, that's a part of what I do, you know, basically every day, you know, it, it's a hard business, you know, I mean, we're competing against huge, huge organizations and, but we're hanging in there with them right now. That's for sure. I'm, I'm so proud. You're right that, uh, this group we got together right now is, is pretty dang special. You know, it, it does compare to me to the Werner team we had and the group we had when the team was still based here in Tennessee. It's a, it's a family. It really is. All these kids are just awesome that work on this thing. When you go into the sponsorship meetings, like, I, 
I would assume that a big feather in your cap has to be your social media following. And like, I want to just pick your brain on that a little bit. You've got like 128,000 Twitter followers. Like that's unheard of. And I know compared to LeBron James or somebody like that, like you're not that big a deal, but in the world of, right, right. of NHRA drag racing, like I don't know that anybody has that type of following. Plus like, I don't know if our listeners or a lot of our listeners are into Twitter or follow Clay, but like, it's a very engaging follow. I'm curious, like, how did you cultivate that? And and obviously you put an emphasis on it earlier than most. I did. And I will tell you right off the get go, I had a Twitter coach. She's probably going to kill me for saying that, but <laughs> it's a lady that races super comp. She don't race all the time. A lady named Tina Stull. I, I don't know Tina. if you know Tina. I yep. Yeah. Tina is a Twitter wizard and she literally held my hand. And she just helped me. She's like, if people talk about racing, follow them. You know, so if you look at my Twitter, you know, a lot of people that have big followings, you know, like LeBron James, he probably doesn't follow 99,000 people. I do. If people were talking about racing, I followed them, mm-hmm. you know, it was, and she helped me with that a lot. She really did. She's good at it. She actually has some very large clients that she works with. For me, she just did it because she wanted to help me. She could see that when Twitter was kind of first getting going, that I was really working hard at it. You know, I was putting a lot of stuff on there and, and she just kind of coached me along and, you know, I've got to give her credit for it. And my Twitter has just continued to grow and, and I have fun with it. And, and now, I got to be truthful. That, like the, the things that you're doing with the gift package giveaways and things like that, <laughs> like, that's pretty cool, you know, pretty innovative. I have to give credit to Donna for that. Me and Donna, we drive to probably half the races. If you drew a circle 12 hours around Memphis, we're going to drive to those races. You know, we'll drive as far west as Topeka and far east as Charlotte. And I, I won't drive to Englishtown and Epping. The traffic gets a little crazy up there. You've, y'all have driven up there. You know how that is. But, you know, and so we get bored. Y'all spend plenty of time driving to races. You know how it is. And, and so Donna so come up with the idea. Oh, yeah. She come up with the idea, you know, we should hide stuff, you know, and not really hide it, but leave it, leave it places, tell people where it's at and, and just see who comes and gets it, you know. And so it's I have been shocked at how many people look at that. And and and, <laughs> and I really laugh at, at, you know, so we're going to Bristol. Let's just use Bristol for an example. You start reading some of the comments. They're like, swing through Connecticut on your way. You know, or come to South Dakota and drop one off. You know, it's like, oh, I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah, but, I don't know if we'll make that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll make that one. But but it's just fun. It does break up our trip. And, and she reads comments while I'm driving and or if she's driving. And, you know, we just have fun with it. And, and, it, and it, you know, I guess it does kind of really engage the fans. And they're entertaining me as much as I hope I'm entertaining them by doing that, you know, because we enjoy reading what people say and you know, who finds it. And I mean, it's fun. It is really fun. So we, we very much engage with the social media. That's for sure. So now we're getting to the roots of why you listen to the sportsman drag racing podcast. You're bored to death out there driving way over so hours on the road. <laughs> I have to, I, I gotta be truthful. Donna doesn't listen. So that means that I'm not listening while I'm driving on the road. Oh, okay. uh, well, if I'm out in the shop, at home, the, the race shop's in McLeansboro, Illinois, and I live in Drummonds, Tennessee. So when I'm at home, chances are I've got my, my little earbuds in while I'm, I'm working on whatever little project I'm working on. And 
and I listened to you guys then. So if I could just hoping by me being on the show, and, and this is not really why I ask you to be on here, but I'm hoping that on our trip to Chicago, I can get her to listen, and then she's going to hear how good this show is. Not because I'm on here, because y'all are so good. <laughs> then she'll let me start listening every week while we're driving. Well, we we appreciate you trying to get us another listener, Clay. Clay, you've, <laughs> you've made your name, obviously, an IHRA top field with the, the many, many wins and championships. And compare those days of dominance, you know, kind of like where you were big fish in a small pond with – today as a competitive team on nhra tour you know is it reverse theory smaller fish in the ocean but compare your times in both of those sanctioning bodies people ask me all the time you know how how come you you win so much over there and you know until a few weeks ago you've never won here you know the majority of that to be honest with you was we were sponsored to race in the ihra and i loved my time in the IHRA, I loved the people in the IHRA, and I, obviously I loved all the winning and the championships. But I truly believe had we had the, you know, the opportunity to race NHRA full time during that time frame, we would have won races. I point this out a, a lot here recently, especially, you know, after Bristol, that I'm a horrible statistician on what I've done. But I think it was 2004. We went to 10 NHRA races while racing the IHRA series, and we went to three consecutive final rounds in the NHRA. But our paycheck come from racing IHRA. And, you know, so kind of back to your question, for me, it's always been I have the same job and I love my job. And whether I'm racing IHRA, NHRA or, you know, at Cordova doing the World Series of Drag Racing, I'm a happy man if I get to put the helmet on and drive a top fuel car. I, I just love everything about it. I love the acceleration. I love how fast they go. I, I love going fast. And, you know, should it have taken 19 years to win an NHRA event? Heck no, because sooner or later, you would think you would have a day where four cars in a row smoke the tires against you or something. You know, you would yeah. think something would happen to where you would have won one and then just kept stacking up runner ups here and there. And, you know, it just took forever to do it. But, but for me, it's the same, you know, uh, back in the IHRA days, you know, we were definitely very well sponsored and there were some other teams. A lot of people, you know, say, well, that was IHRA. It didn't matter. But if you look back in those days, you know, you had Paul Romine that was sponsored by CarQuest. Bruce Litton had Lucas Oil. Doug Herbert had a snap-on car there. I mean, there were some good cars there, and it wasn't easy. And, you know, and the tracks wasn't always the easiest to get down either. But move back to the NHRA side, now you're racing what I call it. I'm, I'm racing against factory teams. These yeah. guys, have they're building their own cars. They're building their own cylinder heads. They're pretty much doing everything. It's, it's like racing factories. But And I'm going to steal this line from David Grubnick, my crew chief, Grubby. People are your most valuable asset, and right now we have got great people. And so we're able mm -hmm. to take a small team that's run out of Doug Stringer's backyard and compete with those guys. I mean, we I don't, I, here I am back to that statistician thing. I know we had back-to-back -back number one qualifiers this year, you know, so we've, we've been able to run at the top of the page. We qualified number one last year at the U.S. Nationals. And you get five qualifying runs there. That's hard to go out there and beat those factory teams doing that. Yeah. And we've had the home run hits. We just hadn't been able to 
fill the bases up, so to speak, and finish it up, you know. But Grubby has really started concentrating on race day. You know, he's like, I've just got to make this thing go down the racetrack. And if we get outrun, we get beat on a hole shot, whatever happens. But at least we gave ourselves a chance. And I think that's kind of what you're starting to see here the last few weeks. And I'm so excited, so ready to, to just keep going. I mean, we just finished four straight weeks. But I'm excited to go to Chicago. We tested on Monday at Norwalk. Not a luxury that our team gets because it costs the same amount of money whether you're testing or racing. But we were able to take part in a Goodyear tire test, and, and that helps. So, yes, I love my job. <laughs> it shows. <laughs> That's obvious to all of us, Clay. The Obviously, the years and and. I don't know if frustration is the right word, but like it, it obviously all came together just a few weeks ago in Bristol. And I know that it was a, a special day for you on so many levels. It was a special day for a lot of us. And we were all watching. Like, I think I speak for most of the listeners of the quote unquote sportsman drag racing podcast. We were rooting for you, man. Yes. We all know that you have been trying to get that win for years and years and been closed so many times. And we all know that in the cruelest of, of blows like you lost your son dalton last summer in a highway accident we can only imagine what you and your family have dealt with since like i don't mean to try to wrap that up into one weekend and like oh no no matters, but that yep. to get that elusive win and, and to have it come on father's day i know you've answered these questions a hundred times over the past couple of weeks but can you put some of those emotions into words for us oh absolutely i mean that was I answered this on a text to over 400 people. Without a <laughs> doubt, that was Dalton's Father's Day gift to me. To kind of start off Sunday, and I have told this a little bit, but but I want to I'm gonna tell the story again, and probably will for the rest of my life if you want to know the truth. Bristol does a really good job with the whole Father's Day thing, and I didn't want to like participate in it. To me, Father's Day was pretty much I made two phone calls Sunday morning. One was to my daddy and the other was to my sisters. And I started getting texts and everybody means well. And, and when they listen to this, I hope they don't, I don't hurt their feelings, but I didn't want to see texts that said happy father's day. Now I love my oldest son. I did talk to him. So really I called three people, Kale, my oldest son, but the rest of the people, you know, it's like, I don't want to talk about father's day. It just, it's, it was not ever, and it never will be exactly the same for me. Mm-hmm. But Bristol, you know, they, they take the fathers and you, you do driver intro and then you get in the back of the pickup truck and they, and they take you down in front of the grandstands and all that. I did driver intro because I just feel like you're supposed to. And I just walked away and did not do the, the pickup truck ride. You know, I just went right to my car. I'm like, all right, it's a normal race day. It's not Father's Day. And I treated it that way. And I made it just fine through first and second round treating it as normal race day when we're rolling up to race steve torrance in the semifinals bristol was packed it was a lot of people and we were going really slow towing the car and i'm sitting in the back of our our suburban and a guy tapped on the window and we let the window down and he shook my hand and he said i got something to give you and he hands me a a little kid's motocross chest protector and those y'all don't know motocross kids will wear them keep dirt clods and stuff from hurting when they get hit. And he said, your son signed this for my son. And Dalton said this was his first ever autograph. And he hands this thing to me. 
and I look at it, and sure enough, it is Dalton's signature, and it's and it's hashtag twenty five. And immediately, you know, I, I like welled up, and I didn't start crying, but it was right there. You know how you get that feeling. You know, it's like man. My next thought was, why would somebody hand me this when I'm fixing to go up here and race Steve Torrance, who's been you know killing everybody, and. So I rolled on around the corner. I just took that thing and I and I set it in the in the back of the suburban and and by the time I got around the corner, I was like, you know what, just get your stuff together here, you know, and and just go out here and have fun. And and I literally from that moment I got around the corner, I seen Stevie. I like Stevie a lot. He already had his helmet on. I went over, told him safe race, and got in the car and I'm like, shoot, I get to go drive top fuel car. It's exactly what, you know, Dalton would want me to be doing and beat stevie and i already kind of knew this and and people are gonna be like ah whatever but before we race stevie i'm like man this this is gonna be my day and beat stevie got ready to race leah i had like no care in the world it was like man i'm in the final round okay cool you've done this over 50 times you know and, and you've drove this car thousands of times it's it's just going to be your day. And, you know, and there's a couple of things like, you know, I looked up at the scoreboard when I crossed the finish line, that benefit of a thousand foot, you know, you can see if you won. So I knew I won and hopped out of the car and turned around, started jumping up and down, which I hadn't saw the television, but I did see somebody posted on Facebook, you know, showed that. And, and Jack Beckman comes and jumps the fence. So I'm like, this guy just got beat by four thousands. You know, what's he coming to see me for, you know? And he's like, take your helmet off. Give me your helmet. Hurry up. Take your stuff off. So I do. I just, I listen to him, hand him all my stuff. And he's like, get a few breaths. You have no idea how big this is. I was like, okay, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, And I'm, I'm still thinking, wow, Jack's over here, like taking my helmet and checking on me. And he just lost by four thousand. Go around the corner there. And I see caps. Oh, I might mention that I done made that corner. A total of eight times, oh, well, seven times that weekend. And when it come time to make the corner, they had to push me backwards because I couldn't even get the car around the corner. <laughs> I had to, they had to push me back because I couldn't, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I suddenly couldn't steer the car around the corner. But Ron Caps is doing his interview, and, and he, he gives me a hug, and he said, like, the stage is yours, buddy. And, you know, without getting into the whole interview thing, I had for years all these things that I had in my mind I was going to say. Or do or whatever. I mean, like I had just a plan of what I wanted to say and do. And all of that went out the window. You know, uh, y'all probably might have saw it. You know, obviously I got sure. pretty emotional about it. And But that was my Father's Day present from Dalton. And basically, you know, he was just letting me know that it's okay to, to smile on Father's Day. You know, it really, yeah. really awesome. is. I had said earlier, there are no such thing as a coincidence. And John Medlin told me that, you know, and he had lost a son. So, you know, I certainly spent time talking with him, same as Doug Herbert. And, but after I got that little chest protector, you know, with the 25 on it, I was like, huh, you know, that's no coincidence. That man was there that day to hand me that. That's no coincidence. Yeah. Same as I said earlier, I won my first national event when Peter Lehman was there. That's no coincidence. It was supposed to be that way. And if you look at my run in the final, and it was not pointed out to me until I was already like up on stage with the trophy in my hand and all that, we run 382 with a five. So what's the last two digits there? 25. <laughs> 25. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the Traxxas people 
I, I got in the tracks of shootout and thank goodness I don't have to bu- bug all my Twitter followers to go vote for me this year to get in the tracks of shootout. <laughs> I won my way in this year. When they come up on stage, you know, these beautiful ladies bring, you know, a, a board up for you to sign and a Traxxas truck. You would never guess what numbers on that Traxxas truck. No way. 25. Yep. 25. <laughs> you know, and they didn't give me that. That wasn't like planned. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was just a display thing for them to take mm-hmm. photos. So, you know, it, it was the the worst thing that has ever happened to, to me and, and Donna and Kale, you know, and my family. But uh, it, it's you know, those, those kind of things are there, you know, to let you know, everything's okay. And people might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I believe that 100%, you know, he, it's, it's so some little signs every now and then, like everything's good. Your words are touching and, and motivational clay. And that interview after that, you know, post-race at, at Bristol, like you said, you thought about that for 15 years and it all kind of went out the window, man. You, you couldn't have scripted that any better. That, uh, yeah. that moment, I think it was Jason Kenny. I was ch- keeping up on, on Twitter cause we were out of the house, you know, live. And, uh, he had said something like the actual race isn't the reason that I watch race and those 15 minutes of footage post-race with clay. That's the reason I love racing. And I couldn't, after watching it, I, I, I couldn't agree more. That was unbelievable, man. I mean, I, you know, like I say, I, not what I intended to do. I mean, it was just what came out. You know, it was uh, just there. You know, it was just there. I mean, it was definitely an yeah. emotional thing, you know, with everything that people didn't know, you know, leading up to that. I don't know. It was meant to be. Mm-hmm. It was 100%, you know, meant to be, you know, and I'm, I'm proud it happened. That's for sure. Right, Clay, you, you aren't, you aren't the only one that was emotional during the interview, Clay. It <laughs> no, was, that's uh, for sure. That's I, for I sure. think this may be the only time in NHRA history that everybody, probably including your opponent was rooting for you. So <laughs> it was very genuine and, and, and it was awesome to watch. It was a great day. That's for sure. One I'll never forget. All right, Clay, let's lighten things up a little bit. We always try to finish out these interviews with a little bit of fun, a little bit of rapid fire. So uh, I know you've listened to a few before, but these are quick questions meant for fairly quick answers. So you, you ready? Hold your I'm ready. Fire a little. You've been all around the world doing this. Uh, is there one you can single out? Favorite racetrack? <laughs> Bristol, Tennessee. <laughs> it was easy, huh? <laughs> Great answer. Uh, Clay, what's a favorite song on your playlist right now? Limp Biscuit, Roland. Really? Awesome. Nice. That's yes, not one I'd have put you on. That's no. Kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> this is one that uh, I think Jed asked me back in episode triple zero, and I thought it was a good one. I don't think I've repeated it since, but uh, Sunrise or Sunset? Oh, definitely Sunset. I am not a morning person. None whatsoever. <laughs> 11 o'clock first round's rough on me. <laughs> Slay, what is your favorite hobby outside of racing? Favorite hobby outside of racing, now that we're not motocrossing anymore, I have become a golfer, believe it or not. I love playing golf now that we don't motocross. Love golfing. You're speaking with two uh, two fans of golf, and I think Jed's a lot more adept at it than I am, but uh, we, and, we enjoy chasing the ball around as well. Last one, and this is going back in time to, what, uh, 20 years ago, but back in the sportsman days, I don't know if feared is the right word, but the, the opponent that you just couldn't seem to get past. Oh, that's an easy one, too. And it still stands to this day for a lot of people. Anthony Bertozzi. 
I had a feeling oh. that's where that was going. Just, <laughs> yeah. I think if you ran modified in that time period, you didn't like running, running Anthony. <laughs> no, no. I, we were talking about all of my runner-ups. My my first national event runner-up was to Anthony at Norwalk. He's a bad dude. He's still to this day a bad dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no question. Cool, Clay, man, thank you for uh, stay, taking some time out of your schedule for us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It was an honor to have you on, man. Hope to do it again uh, someday soon, and best of luck to you in uh, Chicago and all along the tour the rest of uh, 2017. I appreciate it, and I think I'll see you there, right, Luke? I will be there. We will see you there. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for letting Thank me be you, on Clay. the show. I, I truly do enjoy it. You guys do a great job. Thank you. We appreciate your time, Clay. Hi, Big Jed. Each week on the podcast, we like to preview an upcoming event. As, uh, as our listeners listen to this, it will be the week of the 11th annual World Foot Break Challenge. This is your and Steve Stites' brainchild. This is your baby. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of work being put in on your end. Putting on a race is, is, has its set of, uh, of stresses. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. You guys do an excellent job with it. It's, uh, as someone that's been to several World Football Challenges in the past, I can say that you guys do an awesome job. It's a very fun race. It is the, the pinnacle race, in my opinion, for, footbreak competition. So, just tell our uh, listeners a little bit uh, about what to expect in Bristol this week. Well, Luke, uh, appreciate the kind words. The, the stage is set for the 11th BT World Foot Brake Challenge, uh, presented by Yukon Gear and Axle. And I'm really excited. Got a great pre-entry car count. We know that we're going to have a really good crowd. Bristol is ready. The facility's ready. Um, just uh, we just got to see the national event play out there. So now it's an opportunity for the foot brake guys to get to come run on the same track as the big boys in that same setting. So really excited about the 11th edition of the event. We're going to start out Thursday, July the 6th with our chest and tune from two to six. And then our gamblers race paying 3000 to win second round winners get paid and the wind lights get, the money gets better with every wind light thereafter. So that's a $3,000 guaranteed payday for somebody Thursday night. And then we'll get into the main event, the Yukon gear and axle 10, 20, 10, be 10,000 on Friday and 10,000 on Sunday with uh, a 20 grander sandwiched in between them on Saturday. And we've got the live feed from Motor Mania, our good friends from Platinum Products and Environmental Oil Recoveries helping us bring the live feed to everybody so you can see foot breaking on the big stage. Watch your friends, your family. You, we've got uh, a free racer appreciation barbecue that's going to happen Saturday night where we want to get a wonderful meal free of charge, courtesy of our good friend. Jimmy Smith from Mountain Road Transmissions and just tons and tons of prizes from great companies. I think we've got a little over $16,000 in racer giveaways, a tremendous guaranteed purse, no matter how many cars show up and just uh, an all around good time be had by everybody and just really looking forward to it. Jed, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'll explain why later, but tell me who can you tell me? Who are your defending champions at the uh, BTE World Footbreak Challenge? Well, that does put me on the spot a little bit. The reason I, I ask is because my wife and I had this conversation over dinner last night, <laughs> and I couldn't remember every defending champion from the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. I'm, I'm ashamed to say, like, it's amazing how it yeah. just kind of runs together. And I have slept since then, as a year ago. So It does get difficult to remember. Uh, I do know uh, Chris Morin won one of the 10 Granders. That was, I believe, Friday's race. 
The $20,000 race was won by Luke Bogacki on Saturday. Whoa. And I don't think that's accurate. I, no, no, that was Lucas Walker. Did I say Luke Bogacki? <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish. Uh, I, I can't take credit for Lucas's W. I wasn't even at the uh, facility. I was in Chicago. So. I'm sorry. Thinking ahead to Sunday trying to figure out who won. I thought I had it. It was Lucas Walker, which, uh, you know, if, any, if you got Luke of any kind in your name, apparently you're a great racer. But Lucas Walker, one of the best foot rate racers in the country. No doubt. Uh, he, he got Saturday's win and. Man, Sunday's ten grander. Um, I feel terrible about this, but I don't. I can't remember. Friend, and I can look at friend of look the podcast. At the he has been a guest on the podcast under not the best circumstances. <laughs> Who was it? That's even throwing me more of a blank. I'm just totally drawing a blank. I've got the flyer in front of me. I'm cheating. Brian Cerruti is your defending uh, uh, Sunday ten thousand dollar winner. Yes, Sarudi. I should have known that. Sarudi, yes. He was our Sunday 10 grand winner. But uh, like you said, they, they start to run together a little bit. But um, Glad that I could was throw a, you under the bus there, Jed. That yeah, feels that's good. perfectly all right. Sarudi would be mad at me. But uh, those, uh, <laughs> who, those guys had good weekends for sure. I, I know, like, as the event promoter, you don't want to single anybody out. Like, who's the king of the World Footbreak Challenge? Like, I know Scotty won the first two 50 granders. Like, yep. nothing's ever been duplicated on that front. So, at yep. least my days at the WFC, like, I, is synonymous with Scotty Richardson. Who's been the most successful in, in more recent years? You know, obviously, Scotty has collected the, the most payday there, winning those 250s, which used to be 50000 on Saturday the first two years. And economic things and, and stuff made us change the event up, and it's worked out perfectly. But the, probably the guy that's visited the winner circle more often than anyone else is Chris Plott. Uh, Cougar Daddy has uh, collected a lot of paydays, been to several, several final rounds there. I was uh, Steve, on one of those final rounds. Years well, yeah, ago. That's right. That's right. Steve Alford has been to the final mm-hmm. quite a few times. Uh, Manny Souza's done well there in years past. Hasn't been in a little while. And uh, obviously, uh, my buddy Matt Obertanik has uh, done quite well himself. So those guys stand out to me as uh, kind of repeat winners that have uh, done quite well at the event over the years. Very good, very good. And as we mentioned before, like we're recording this a week in advance, but I'll just go ahead and say, because the race is in Bristol, there's a chance of rain at least one day. <laughs> yeah, because where Bristol is located, like that's just part of the deal. Not to try to forecast anything, but my experience with Bristol is the forecast looks awful. You typically get at least an hour or two of rain at some point throughout the weekend, but usually yeah. it's not too much to worry about. So hopefully you're you're fortunate, both in terms of uh, of avoiding bad weather and, as we know as promoters, uh, avoiding a bad forecast. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to avoid the bad forecast. But, you know, it's summertime showers when it does happen, Luke, and it's always late, you know, 4 to 6 p.m. We're well into the program when that happens. So this is not like going to the track on Saturday night and it rains, right? It's the first time trials getting underway. We're well underway when that happens. No place you'd rather be than Bristol Dragway if you do get rain. The equipment there is the best there is. They've got a jet dryer. We've had plenty of rain days over the years, and we've in the 10 previous events, we've lost two days of racing. Wow. Two days step. of racing in 10 years. So we're going to race. It's Steve and I, you know, we get one shot at this World Footbreak Challenge in Bristol every year. And we're not going to let folks go home without getting the racing done. So even if you do see a chance of rain, don't think twice about it. Get there. We're going to pay out a lot of money, $46,000 to the winners uh, July the 6th to the 9th. Awesome. Very good, man. Looking forward to it and uh, wish you guys nothing but the best. 
Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing everybody there. Look forward to talking about it uh, on next week's show. Yeah, I want to highlight some winners. Yeah, maybe Luke Bogacki won the 20 grander again. (laughs) I hope you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! Running out of time, chasing down a finish line. It ain't over till it's over and the line ain't on your side. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 33. Thanks to our sponsors, Porta Tree and Racing RVs. They brought the podcast to you this week. I definitely want to say thanks to our guest, Clay Milliken. Awesome interview with Clay. Uh, Thanks, as always, to PJ North, the guy that provides all of the music that you hear on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, and our assistant, Mark Romeo. uh, He helps us a lot, gets things put together for the show each week. If you've got ideas for the show, message the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can go through Messenger and contact us there. Or you can contact Mark on Facebook. I mean, you can look him up and uh, find Mark Romeo on Facebook. He'll be able to help you there. Or you can email him at mromeo2004 at gmail.com. And uh, certainly, uh, we're right on pace. But don't forget that we're going to release a show every week of the calendar year. And we are doing that just like we promised you. This one's coming up. This is being recorded early, but it's going to come up on time when it's supposed to next week. And I want you to make sure you tune in to us for all of the latest and greatest news for the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Absolutely. And wherever it is that you tune in to get the podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, be sure to subscribe on those apps. What that allows you to do is get notifications. You'll be the first to know every time that we release a new episode and give you the opportunity to listen to it even before your friends. Speaking of your friends, assuming that you have friends, let's hope that you do. Tell them about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Word of mouth is definitely our best form of advertising, and the more people we can reach, the better the show will be for everyone involved. So tell your friends and get your track involved. Um, We've had several tracks agree to play portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast during their downtime, parking time, things like that. We appreciate that. We uh, jump at the opportunity to reach uh, racers that may not listen on their own every week, so that's a great way to do that. So let your track know, get them involved, and if they are... um, broadcasting the any portion of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA, let us know. We'll give them a shout-out on the show. Last but not least, join our Facebook community. We are the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. You can touch base with us there. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you'd like to see included on a future show. And you can also touch base with us on Twitter. On Twitter, I am at Luke Bogacki. That's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And Jed is at JP11X. Until next time, you guys uh, keep it safe, have fun, and uh, good luck wherever it is that you are racing next. Thanks, guys. Happy 4th. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Footbreaking it in. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks. With quality products designed for racers by racers, I depend on Portatree for my own. That's up. <laughs> in addition to building quality race engines, Seabert Performance is your source for carburetor setup, whether it's a new custom carb. <laughs> okay, we'll try that one. one. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks. 
with quality products designed by racers for racers. That sucked too. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.